Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. How are we all doing today? Oh, come on. I was glad to be when they said, let us come into the house of God. It's good to see your faces today. Hey, North Location, can we welcome our Plaza Location? Everyone walking online, watching online, and how about Lansing Correctional Facility? Everybody who watches service there, we love you. Believe God's got something great in store for you. Um, I'm excited. We're continuing our series. This is church. It's not church. It's church. And also today we are celebrating people going all in for Jesus with baptisms, both locations, dozens of people. And I want to give just this little shout out. If you are here, you're on the plaza, you've never followed what Jesus tells us to do, to follow him into the baptisms waters, to, to, to say I'm all in for all that God has. Or maybe you did years and years ago, but you're brand new back into faith or back into church community. Hey, today is still your day. Even though you didn't sign up, you can just show up. We are ready for you. We have these cool packets. It's everything you need clothes-wise to, to be baptized today. And I just want to put that little, little bug in your ear that today could be a day of significance, a day you will never forget. And I promise you, never regret saying, Jesus, I'm all yours. My past is behind me. My God future, my destiny is in front of me. And we would love Love to celebrate that day with you. Let me give that to my man and touchdown. There we go. This is church. You guys can grab your seats. You can see it on the plaza. Those watching online, let's keep leaning in. This is church. Why do we exist? Why do we gather? Why do we serve? Why do we give? What is this all about? Like I've said every single week, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're tuning in, you're leaning in, you're in the room. But I think every once in a while, we just need a reminder or even a wake-up call to the significance of what Jesus is doing on the earth through the church. Because we believe the Jesus' hope for humanity. Apart from Jesus, we don't know God. There's no salvation. And God yet chooses to work what we call the body of Christ. That's the gathering of believers, just like this one, the one we're a part of. All over the city, our nation, and the world, we're the representation of Jesus. It's through the church that we love and serve the city, that we declare the day of salvation, that we offer opportunity for God connection through a life committed to Him. Grace flows through the church. So if Jesus is the hope of humanity, that He works through the local church, that means the local church is pretty important. What we do together is more than a spectator moment on a Sunday. It's more than 80 minutes of worship, teaching, and gathering, and friends. There's something significant God wants to do, and every single one of us has a part to play. Uh, in fact, week one, I talked about there's work to do. There's still work to do. The last thing Jesus said should be the first thing that we wake up thinking about is that we need to go into all the world, preach the gospel. He's, he's looking to us and a world that needs us so desperately. Last week, I talked about all aboard, that it takes unity, commitment, sacrifice, and service. There's a part to play with every believer, and no part is insignificant. Highly encouraging you 
not to be a person that spectates, but to participate. That's where you're going to find the best part of your faith and your life is when you live to give and serve through God's house and what we do together. We're going to stay what I think is the blueprint for God's best through the local church, Acts chapter 2. We'll pray in just a moment, but I wanted to read this. Acts chapter 2. I think it's the, the basics that the church did back then. The first church filled with the presence of God, alive to the Holy Spirit. Everything they did, we can do as well. And everything they saw, we can see as well. That same church is still alive, active, and working through the earth 2,000 years later. This is why this is so important. It gives us a blueprint that I think brings revival, a blueprint that brings breakthrough. And nothing on this list, although there's credible sacrifice and there's, there's talk of miracles in this passage I'm about ready to read. Nothing on this list is too far for you to reach. In fact, many of the things and the decisions that they made were all quite ordinary. Doesn't take talent. Doesn't take gifting. It just takes commitment. It takes heart connection. It takes unity. Let me read it and I'll pray. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, the many wonders and signs and miracles performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They were united and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. They were sacrificial so they could give to those that were in need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those being saved in other words as the family of faith stuck together prayed together worshiped together gave together served together loved one another got closer in community together the end goal was the salvation of the city how many would like to see more of that end result in our city this nation and the world Let's be believing for that, and let's pray. Would you join me in prayer? Come on, Plaza. Come on, everybody. Let's really hear from heaven today, because God wants to speak to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are good. You're with us. You're for us, not against us. You've given us the very best of gifts when you gave us Jesus. Opportunity and alignment with you. Salvation is ours, and it's no small thing. Lord, I thank you that you are speaking to every heart First and foremost, that you care deeply about them right where they're at, that they matter to you, that those that might feel lonely in this place, now, Lord, you're bringing them into family. Those that feel discouraged, now you're giving them hope. Those that feel restless, Lord, you're speaking peace to their heart. And for us as a church, as a gathering of faith, you're growing us closer together in tune with your Holy Spirit so we can do our part and turn this world around for you. In Jesus' mighty name, can I get an amen? Amen and amen. This is church. Uh, today I want to speak about family fundamentals. No cheers here on the north. Because although you cannot spell fundamentals without the word fun, there's nothing all that exciting about the fundamentals. But yet when the family of faith sticks to foundational truths, unbelievable God things happen. Again, that Acts chapter 2 list, nothing on there that, that they participated in 
was all that incredible, and yet the result was unbelievable. Of course, there's the miracles that God did that they got to see and be a part of, but what got them in that place where the miracles manifested was devotion. It was prayer. It was uh, uh, listening and leaning in to the scripture, to the teaching and preaching and proclaiming from the apostles of the word of God. It was sacrifice and generosity. These fundamental parts of their faith that the family of faith participated in produced salvation and revival in their city. Fundamentals are important. See, everybody wants the fruit, but not everyone will work the soil. Everyone wants the result, but not everyone will have the resiliency to keep going, to keep working, to keep watering, and even waiting to see the harvest. Everybody wants to win, but not many people want to practice. How many 90s, early 2000s basketball fans do I have in the house? A couple things I know a little bit about. One of them is the Word of God, thanks to my amazing parents. I grew up. Not so much on nursery rhymes and Dr. Seuss. I I grew up on old King James Bible. Thank you, thouest, for teaching me the Bibleist. Another thing I think I know a little bit about is 90s, early 2000s hoops. Because I think it corresponds with the time when my parents realized uh, that that, uh, television is not the devil and the Antichrist. And we got cable. All of a sudden, I had a whole new world of sports to watch, and the NBA was my favorite. I remember around 1995, Jordan came back. 1996, um, Jordan began his march towards the last dance, and I was a Jordan guy, still a Jordan guy, also a LeBron guy. Anyways, but there was another player that kind of caught my eye, and I connected with, uh, I had a little love affair with my guy, Allen Iverson. AI, the answer. What was the question? We don't know. But I liked him. Here's why. He's six foot tall. And I realized, hey, wait a minute. I'm six foot tall. He gave me a false hoop hope. Because he was so quick. He could get buckets and bunches. He had a vibe. And just like him, I also was six foot tall. (laughs) Nothing else I had in common. But he is famous a interview outburst when he was asked about practice he said practice we talking about practice now I understand from someone as naturally gifted and amazing with skill and ability as him that he didn't want to go into the details of practice because practice is kind of boring fundamentals are kind of boring Uh, it reminds me of another player in the same day and age uh, this guy Tim Duncan everything about Tim Duncan is boring except the fact that he wins so much. Tim Duncan was, uh, Shaq called him Big Fundamentals. That's his nickname to this day, Big Fundamentals. He just did everything textbook. He, he rebounded well, he defended well. His two signature plays were a bank shot and a layup. He's about as boring of a baller as you can get. But unlike Iverson that won zero championships, Tim Duncan won five, 15-time All-Star. And although he's not glamorous to watch, you have to respect his commitment to the fundamentals. Fundamentals will get you so much farther than skill and ability because God is not looking for spiritually elite people. 
He's looking for servants. God's not looking for those that have an outward appearance of success. He's looking for perseverance. God is actually looking for normal people like you and me that get an anointing that comes upon us that is only found through faithfulness. Faithfulness isn't flashy. Stability isn't sexy. But success is found in the fundamentals. So we'll look at some of the fundamentals. This Acts chapter 2 list, everything on this list you can do and participate in. And I wonder if there aren't a few things that you might be missing that God wants to plant in the garden of your heart to grow you into the person or grow us into the church he's always desired for us to become. We see very early on this foundational decision that this gathering of people participated in. In fact, one of the very first things it says about them is that they were committed to joining together, gathering together with other believers and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Now, what were the apostles' teaching? You gotta remember, the apostles just a couple of weeks ago were just the disciples. That these kind of guys that came from nowhere, no, no, nobody's come from nowhere, uh, not all that gifted, but they'd been with Jesus. So what do you think they were teaching? They were teaching everything that Jesus just taught. They were teaching everything they saw and caught while walking with Jesus. You know where we have that? We have that in the word of God. In fact, we got four gospel narratives that says this is what Jesus teaches. This is what Jesus shows. This is what Jesus demonstrates. So just like they had teachings, nothing that they were saying were profound to us because we've had it now for 2000 years. They were teaching the words of Jesus. They were teaching the word of God. And if we're going to be fundamentally sound, there's two things I want to add to our life or revive in your life. And that is a commitment to God's word as the foundational truth that which we live from and the commitment to worshiping God with all that we have. We see that in Acts chapter two. They were committed to the apostles teaching and worshiping. The key word I think there is together that they were gathering together because something happens in our collective praise that doesn't happen when you just participate solo. It's everyone coming together under the word of God and worshiping God. And guess what we do on Sundays at Hillsong, Kansas City? Yes, we gather. Yes, we have opportunities to get signed up for connect groups that launch next week and build deeper community. We see that in Acts chapter 2. Yes, we build some friends, hopefully friends of our future. But the main two things we do is we get the word of God and we worship God. And if we could stick to the fundamentals, you will go far. Our church is built on the word. It is fundamental to our faith, to this family of faith. The word has to be foundation if we're going to have the kind of future God prepared for us. Because you can have a church gathering without scripture, but you cannot have kingdom success without it. You cannot have kingdom impact without God's word. Second Timothy chapter three, Apostle Paul writes, all scripture is God breathed. Some of you are running on empty in life and you need some spiritual CPR. Well, guess what? This is the 
the, the breath of God that fills your lungs and focus your future, not on your failures, but on his faithfulness. It shows you the way to go and then shows you that by the grace of God, no matter how many times you tripped up, you can get up again and keep going. I'm talking about the living, breathing, active word of God. It's useful. It's not outdated. He says it's useful for teaching and for everyone's favorite, rebuking. That was a joke out there. That's just for the internet trolls. They love just the rebuking part. It's there for our correction and direction for training in what's called righteousness, living right, building a right marriage, raising right kids, doing life the God way, the right way. So that us, the servants of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The, the word of God is not to make you elite. It's not to make you better than anybody else based upon the scriptures that you know. No, it's to make you your best. It actually builds your life to become more like Jesus. Everything God created you to become. Everything he desires for you can be found in the word of God. Now, God uses the word and God even uses other worshipers, other believers to speak into your life. And God can speak to you directly by the Holy Spirit. But let's not forsake the fact that he gives us our next steps in our faith are clearly lined out for us in the scripture that is alive. See, there's a danger zone that many people live in where their knowledge exceeds their application. Really easy to know more than you do. This is why I love people that are brand new to the faith. I love that we have built a church historically this last decade, uh, not just on people migrating from other churches, although they're better home for you. I, I, I respect that. I love that. But ultimately, this church was founded by reaching people that knew very little about God and almost nothing about the Bible. And they became like sponges to everything that was preached and proclaimed. And they just did the little things. And over time, I've now seen many of these young men and women grow up into unbelievable leaders in the kingdom of God because they just did what they were told and taught. We get into the danger zone. It's also known as the Pharisee zone. What everyone else should or shouldn't be doing becomes what we talk about instead of doing what we're called to do. Let us never allow our education to outpace our application. And sometimes it's good to just get back to the basics, back to the fundamentals that are found in God's word. And we have to pass it on to others. It can't just stay with you. In fact, if you really want to know if you know something, it gives you when you have the ability, opportunity to share it with someone else. And teach it not from an authoritative place of scripture, but from an authentic place that you've actually applied this to your, to your life. It says in 2 Timothy 2, you've heard me teach these things and they've been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. In other words, Paul says, my life's been on display. Uh, I don't just say what I want you to do. I've shown you by the way that I live. My life has been a demonstration of my teaching. Now, Timothy, young leader, now it is your turn to teach these truths to other trustworthy people so they can pass them on to others. 
the revelation of the word of God for your life has got to get into application of living it out. And then when you begin to live it out over time, watch and see that people won't come to want to know how you do what you do. And then you can pass it on. And then we begin to get a domino effect of people living right, walking right, thinking right, and living for Jesus right around the world, all around us. And God does so much more when we don't just keep this thing to ourselves. Uh, we're growing up right now, living in a, a, a season in our nation that's becoming post-Christian and post-Bible. People think we're graduated from the truth, and yet we've never needed it more than we need it right now. In fact, just yesterday in our daily Bible reading plan, Judges chapter 2, it said a generation grew up and no one told them about God. No one told them about God's ways or how God works. And, and sure, surely they grew up and went the wrong way because no one showed them the truth and the way to go. This last week, uh, we had our, 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 our uh, youth gathering, Young and Free. Um, it was an amazing night. We saw seven kids give their heart to Jesus. It's pretty powerful and amazing what God's doing. And I, I rolled the dice a little bit. I, I, I did an AMA, uh, which for the non-social media uh, savvy, that means ask me anything. And they got to all text in their questions. And I came in completely unprepared, um, on purpose. I, I just didn't want to know. I just was going to go. I was going to shoot from the hip and uh, just give me what you got. And I got some things. I got got it a little bit. Um, but I was just trusting my Bible knowledge. I was trusting the Holy Spirit. I had questions about aliens. Uh, we had questions about crystals and horoscopes. Um, we, we had question uh, I thought was powerful. The kids really want to know why, why sexual purity? And um, some of you adults need to know this answer as well. Um, got real quiet up here. And I said, well, just like God created this world, um, there's natural laws that we believe in and abide by whether we like it or not. Uh, like gravity. Can't see it, but it impacts you. On the basketball court, gravity impacted me significantly. It's God's natural laws. In the same way, there's kingdom laws. Uh, we can't see them, but they impact us spiritually. And spiritual things always will end up impacting us naturally as well. One of the questions is on the validity of Scripture. How do we know the Bible is, is true? And I said the same way. It's a kingdom way. You really only see it when it begins to work in your world and in your life. See, the Bible is not the wisdom of this world. The Bible is the ways of God's kingdom. And so if you want the results of the world, just keep walking in that kind of wisdom. I don't know about you, but I want something greater than this world. I need something stronger than this broken world. I don't want my life to resemble the brokenness and the chaos, the hysteria. And the heartache of humanity, I want God's intention and God's plan, and that is found in the Word of God. In 2 Peter, Peter writes, we, we have this prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you'll do well to pay attention to it. It's like a light shining in dark places. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. In other words, you've got this prophetic word from God. God forecasting your future and his ways of doing things. And the, the morning star is talking about Jesus. Until the day where Jesus returns, you're going to need this truth. And he says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. 
For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through human, though humans, spoke from God, and I love this, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we didn't just get the word of God because some spiritual people wanted to make up some stuff about how we were supposed to live or how we're supposed to operate. Uh, the writers uh, of the Gospels didn't just make up like a fantasy novel, fan fiction about Jesus. No, they told the people what, what they saw, or uh, for Luke, what he heard, and what he realized this was a reality. I got several witnesses that said, this is the way that Jesus works. This is what Jesus taught. And then under the influence or being carried along by the Holy Spirit, they have passed it on and it stayed the course for 2,000 years. Malachi didn't wake up one day just angry at people and say, y'all need to tithe. No, he didn't make that up. There was God revealing it where people's hearts weren't putting him first. But I love that it says that it carried them through. And the same Holy Spirit that has carried this word of God to us 2,000 years in the making wants to carry you to places you cannot get in your own natural ability. He wants to carry you through storms of life, rough spots in your marriage, difficulties in parenting, dilemmas and decisions when it comes to your career. It's through the word of God that the Holy Spirit, it's like a boarding pass to get on board to the place where God's always want to take you, a destination called destiny. And we get there through the word of God. It's your ticket to the place where God's called you to go. Because the word of God will always lead you to the ways of God, and the ways of God will always lead your life to the will of God. And the will of God, Romans 12, is good, pleasing, and perfect. So if I want good, pleasing, and perfect in my life, I need to go dig in, learn, obey, and follow the word of God. This is family fundamentals. This is what we do at Hillsong Church. I like to think that I'm entertaining when I get up here. Usually funny. Sometimes not. Come to 9 a.m. if you want to know what jokes don't work. Because <laughs> I don't repeat them. But you're not here to be entertained. You need a lot more than a message that has a couple rhyming parts to it. Because uh, I might be able to give you a moment of encouragement, just like a YouTube clip of someone yelling at you might get you going a little harder in the gym. But you need something that's so much greater than what I could ever give you. This is why I always fill these moments, my 35 minutes up here, jam-packed with as much scripture as possible because I know that's what's actually going to take you to the places of impossible in your life. The places where your natural ability could never take you. That's where God wants to take you. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the, Lord of God, the word of God is alive. It's active. Sharper than a double-edged sword. How many feel like we need to cut through some of the mess and hysteria going on in our world? That's why you need the word of God. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I love that. I love when Jesus, we see it over and over again in the Gospels, like knows what people are thinking, knows what the Pharisees want to ask him, but they're not, they're, they're too intimidated, know what they're really after. And in the same way, the Bible, the Bible is the word of God, but the Bible says about Jesus in John 1 that he was the word of God that became flesh. And has the ability just to cut through all the nonsense and expose what's really going on. And if you ever want to know what's really going on in your life, dig into the Word of God. If you ever got confusion about a situation, dig into the Word of God. 
If you ever have a dilemma, you don't know the way forward, I promise you there is a God word that at the very least will encourage you, if not correct and direct you to what God actually has in store for you. D.L. Moody said, cling to the whole Bible, not part of it. A man is not going to do much with a broken sword. Don't just pick out the parts and the pieces that inspire you in the moment. Do your very best to say, okay, if it's in God's word, I want to work it into my world. I want to live it out, not just learn about it. I want to, I want to be about it. And I like the phrase that's used, it's used on social media a lot. Uh, speak your truth, speak your truth. I think that's great because your truth, your story, your perspective is powerful. It's beautiful. Uh, I think it's necessary and needed. Just make sure that when you speak your truth, you can come and align it with the truth. Capital T's on the the and the truth, because there is a truth that is timeless and tested. So share how you feel and share what you're facing, but then come back to a God reality. Although I am frustrated, I realize God's doing a work in me. Although I'm intimidated about this season, I know God is for me. Although the doctor's got a bad report, I know that God's my healer. I'm going to speak how I'm feeling from my perspective, but then I'm going to find my inner strength from what God has already spoken. You can speak your truth, but align it with the truth. Growing up, uh, we were part of a church um, that had some long services. I mean, long services. And, um, you know, we've, we've gone some lengthy services here. Uh, hopefully today will not be one of them. Uh, I do have a lot of notes left for time on the clock, but we will see. And I remember uh, in kids' church growing up that I, I knew they were going long in, in, uh, in the adult service uh, when they broke out this little game called sword drills. Does anyone who grew up in church you know about sword drills? Come on. Sword drills is like the most Bible belt game of all time. First of all, we were five, six, seven-year-olds that had Bibles in church. Time to bring that back, by the way. I like that. And when they were trying to kill time, they would just like call out a passage, and you had to find it and stand up and read it. And, and so you, you kind of got to know where things were in the Bible. Now, you, you couldn't open the Bible until they said you couldn't hover over. You had to be there. If you had those little cheat index tabs in there, that was not of God. Um, <laughs> but I found out something uh, because I grew up again, heavily indoctrinated and grateful for the word of God. Some of the passages they would call out, I already knew. So I would just stand up and proclaim <laughs> I was cheating in church, but with the Bible God thinks that's fine, I think. <laughs> it is one thing to know where something is. It's a whole nother thing to know how to walk it out. This is why when we grow in our knowledge of the word of God, we also at the very same time, at the very same pace, have to grow in humility with the things of God. Because more often than not, I see people that grow with tons of Bible knowledge start walking out in tons of judgment to the world. When they start understanding what God wants and desires and they don't see it, instead of their hearts being broken in prayer and participating and being an agent of grace, they normally become a person of judgment. That's the Pharisee zone. And although we will grow in our understanding of God's word, it'll always be in alignment with the application of God's word because nothing on the planet humbles me more than this. 
when I read it and I find something new or it speaks to my heart, it does make, make me want to be, think I'm better than anybody else. It doesn't puff me up. It builds me up. But God's chosen pathway of building is normally through breaking. It normally challenges. That's why it says it cuts through the marrow. It divides heart and soul. It shows me where I'm missing it and always points me to Jesus. In fact, the more in the word you are, the more you should look like Jesus in the world that you're in. Our first question when we're faced with a decision, an obstacle, or a dilemma, shouldn't it be, what does my friend group say? What does my friends, what does the internet say? What does Google say about this situation? What's WebMD say about this? Help you there. It's what does the Bible say? There's a Bible answer because a God promise for everything you are currently facing. Family fundamentals, we believe the word of God. What, why? It gives us direction. It's like a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. It doesn't always show us the end destination apart from eternity. It doesn't maybe show you everything you're going to become, but it shows you the next step you're called to take. What does it do? It gives us protection. It saves us from some of the shipwrecks of life and doing things our own way. Psalms 119, again, I've hidden your word. I've worked it in. It's in the soil of surrender of my heart. It's not on the outside. It's not in my ears. It's in here. And so I won't sin or I won't miss the mark anymore. I won't do uh, be less than I've been called to be when I work it in here. It protects me. Psalms 1, blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, you're not getting your info from everyone else around you, nor stands in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. But my delight is in the law or the word of the Lord. And his law, on that law, I meditate day and night. I'm going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water that, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he or she does shall prosper. It makes your life grounded and it grows your life to fruitfulness. You need God's word. We are a word of God church. Hillsong Kansas City exists to influence the world by building a large Christ-centered, it's all about Jesus, Bible-based church to change mindsets and empowering people to lead and impact in every sphere of life. Right after Jesus comes the word. Jesus is the gateway to the grace of God, to a relationship with God. And then we base our life on God's word. The word, the word of God gives me peace. It just settles me down. I can look at the, the end of the Bible, not the book of maps, but the one right before it. And I realize Jesus is coming again. My sacrifice, my surrender is going to be worth it. This world isn't going to go to a place that Jesus can't redeem it. Uh, I can keep fighting a little longer. I can settle the storms. It gives me hope. I read some of these characters that God used in the Old Testament, even the disciples in the New. Like, God, if you use them, man, you can surely use me. It gives me hope for my future. It gives me a perspective. I just finished this biography uh, on the Apostle Paul. And, uh, man, my main takeaway of it is, man, my life ain't that bad. That was supposed to be funny. Um, I, I look at everything he went through and then everything God did through him. I'm like, wow, man, my, my worst day feels like a vacation to his day. And, and so I, I realized we're going to go through some stuff. 
Not everything is going to be picture perfect, paint by the numbers. Everything fits clean and ideal. And yet God's ideal plan will become a reality. It gives me a great perspective. It gives me refreshment. It refreshes my soul. Psalms 19, the Lord of God, the Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes or the principles of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold and much more than pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, even honey from a honeycomb. By them, your servant, that's you and me, is warned. In keeping them, though, there's a great reward. God's word is first. It's perfect, it says. It, it gives joy. It radiates, giving illumination to the dark places. It's firm. It leads us to the right place. It should be precious to us. It warns us, but it warns us and then leads us to a reward, a life well lived, a life for the glory of God. We need the word of God. But what's the other part of Sunday mornings? Worship. Uh, I'm well out of time to get to the depth of what I want. I'll do it at another day. But I will say this. We don't just come for the word. We also come to worship. If the, this family's fundamentals of what Sundays are all about well, I personally, my favorite part of Sunday is when people pray the prayer to give their hearts to Jesus, the salvation moment. That's one thing that we work for. But what we're going to see and be a part, participants of every single weekend is that we're going to love the word, we're going to learn the word, and we're going to apply the word to our life. Even the smallest little truth that's lived out will have great big God results. Little decisions made that are framed by the word of God will lead you to great big destinies and the purposes of God. And then we worship together. And yet there tends to see, be in the American church, people like to lean towards one or the other. They love the worship experience or they love the teaching the word of God. Paul talks about that. It's kind of the world that he was reaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says the Greeks are the known world at that time. They, they, they're looking for wisdom. And the Jews, the world that he came out of and with the world he was reaching as well, they look for a miraculous sign. But we just keep on proclaiming Christ. In that, we see a dichotomy of those that love the knowledge and that those that love the power. Or you could say those that love the truth and then those that love the, the, the presence. The worship moments where you feel all the feels and you love the moment of, of praise and that moment of worship and passion. I bet you kind of tune out when it comes time to the word. Or those, it's like, okay, give me the word. Give me line upon line, precept upon precept, expository, whatever preaching you like. I, I, I just want more of that. But I'm not really a person that loves or enjoys the worship. This is why family fundamentals, we have to have both. That we live in the tension of truth and telling Jesus how good he is to us. That's what worship is. Worship is your response to God's goodness and God's love for your life. Worship isn't the songs that we sing. It's the life that we live. But when we sing the songs in the room, it's an opportunity for everyone to join in the, uh, the chorus and the choir of celebrating God's goodness. And I believe that miracles happen when we worship together with all of our hearts. This is why it was key to the church in Acts chapter 2. And 2,000 years later, God still works the same way. That we have devotion to the word and we have joyous celebration and praise and worship. We need both. They worship together regularly, it says. 
Worship is expressing your gratitude to God for what he has done, who he is, what he said, and what he's going to do. In other words, it's about God yesterday, God today, and God tomorrow. It is more important than how you feel in the moment. It's about you reminding your own heart the faithfulness of your father. We express worship to God. Why? Because he first loved us. So I can see when you're not expressing worship. And by the way, I'm not just talking about only outward demonstration. I get it. You might have come from a different church background. You might be new to faith. This might be the only hand raised that you got. Working that little chicken wing up there. I'll take that chicken wing. I love chicken wings, first of all. But that might be a stretch for you. Live in the stretch. I'm not saying you got to worship like, like Sister Psalms next to you. Tammy Tabarine down the row from you. I'm not saying it's got to look like anyone else, but what it needs to look like is not your comfort zone. It needs to look like, man, I once was lost. Now I've found Jesus. You're so good to me. Everything I have comes from you. And worship is a reminder that we're not the center of the universe, then he's the center of our lives. And we worship with passion. What's that passion look like to you? It's just a little outside your comfort zone. In a moment, both locations, we're going to worship. We're going to worship before people go into the waters of baptism. And those people, you know, when they come out, they're going to be worshiped. Why? Because there's something fresh and new on the inside of it. But I wonder how many of us need to renew, need to get refreshed in what Jesus has done for us. Worship reminds us it ain't all about us. I love that worship brings clarity. It shows you what's really going on in this life and in this world. Psalm 73, I'm out of time, I'll just go quick. David says, man, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't understand it all. Life was too hard, difficult. So leading this kingdom was too, too tough for me until I went to the temple of God. Then I understood what was happening. There's something about being in a place of praise that brings clarity, that brings protection, that brings direction. What kind of worship does God want from you? Wholehearted worship. I love this from King Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 31. Hezekiah dedicated his life to serving God. It does not talk about his pedigree, his education. It does not talk about his advisors or how much money was left to him in the will when he, when he took over the kingdom. Here's what it tells us about him. Everything he did in worship in God's temple, he did wholeheartedly. Everything he put his hand to for God, he poured his heart out. He saw his life and leadership as worship unto God. And as a result of living wholeheartedly, worshiping wholeheartedly, he was very successful and he prospered. That is where God wants to take you. He is going to take you with a two-part fundamental move that we love the word and we live the word out. We're not running away from the difficult things. We're diving into the depths of his truth. We're not learning more than we're living. We're living out what we're learning. And we worship through it all because the God who saved us is worthy of all praise, all honor, not based upon my emotions or my feelings, but based upon his faithfulness and his love. When I ran the wrong way, he still came out of me. So when I turned around, even in the midst of my brokenness, I got something to worship about because he's been that good to me and he's been that good 
to you. Can we stand to our feet at both locations? I want to pray before we worship. I'm going to give you an opportunity to practice what I just preached. I want you to worship with all of your heart. I'm asking you to stay the course. We've got a few more minutes left. We're going to see people be baptized in just a second. But before that, could there be a breakthrough in your life? Just like Hezekiah, that when you put your whole heart into something, could God bring some next steps of success or significance into your life? You will not know unless you try and find out. And I believe what you'll find on the other end of some passionate, wholehearted worship and God's whole heart and wisdom, direction and grace is going to meet you in your place of even a sacrifice of praise. You don't feel like it. This ain't about your feelings. This is about our faith. We're going to give God what he's worthy of and he's worthy of it all. Father God, we thank you that you do good. You're with us. You're for us. When the world seems like it isn't working, your word still works. So help us align our life with your timeless truth. Give us the next step of your principles and your ways to lead us into the way that you've called us. I thank you that as we make God's word decisions, we will see destinies unlock and be opened in front of us. And Lord, in the next few moments, as far from me and my house, us here at Hillsong, Kansas City, we're gonna give you a praise that you're worthy of, not based upon our where we came from, but based upon you coming to us, not based upon our feelings or even our emotions. We're going to pour our whole heart out to you, the God who you are worthy of all praise, right in your own seat, right where you're at on the plaza, right here in North. Just begin to worship. Just begin to praise. Let's give him our very best.